there. You're listening to the Park Rush Podcast. This is a Thing Park Podcast. I'm Tom, and joining me, it's not Josh, no sir, but it is Pastor John Self himself. John, hello. How are you doing? Hello there, Tom. How are you? Did I throw you off there because I didn't have the cool Josh voice? Well, you know, it's nice to mix it up now and then, I suppose. And <laughs> I think from what I understand as of recording, Josh is having a, a more enjoyable evening than either of us. And that's no comment on the podcast that we're about to record, which I'm convinced is going to be spectacular because it's never anything less than that when you are involved, John. But Thank yeah, you. from what I understand, Josh is having a fine, fine evening, and I'm glad that he's not here. But yeah, John, it's been a while since you've been on here. In fact, I think the last time we were, or at least I was still in Florida, I think you just left. Was that the, we, we talked for like an hour and a half about how to tour Universal Orlando properly? I think okay. that was, I think that was it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I had just left and you were still there. It feels like so long ago, but. I mean, here in my culture, we especially with the NBC properties, we believe in Saturday Night Live. And when you host on Saturday Night Live five times, you get a jacket. So I'm waiting for my jacket, by the way. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess, I guess you're what? This is this, you probably have made five appearances. I, by I now. think it's Definitely. probably five or six by now. If, if you count the little cameo recordings that we did a long time ago. Yeah. Um, we're definitely over five. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. But yes, it, for those of you out there who've listened to the Universal and Islands of Adventure trip reports, you all know, of course, that I met up with John for the first time when I was in Florida back in April and May, which was fantastic. And uh, I guess one of the key pillars of our long-awaited meeting was on Universal City Walk rather than within the, the, the walls of either of the theme parks themselves. And that's what we're here to talk about today these florida trip reports keep on coming and we thought given that i did spend a decent amount of time in universal city walk and also in disney springs there was some value to be had in recording dedicated podcasts about those two venues so we're going to start this week with universal city walk i i think the way we're going to do this rather than kind of walk as we normally do our trip reports, we just kind of walk around as I did on the days that I were at, was at the various theme parks and got a touch on everything that I did. I think rather than do that in the case of City Walk, we will, of course, talk about the things that that I experienced firsthand, some of the things that you know I, I did alongside you, yourself, John. But then from that point onwards, I think given that you are you know far more experienced with the various eateries and and whatnot of City Walk, I might I, th- I think we, what we might do is kind of try and streamline this a little bit and talk about you know, four or five of the places that, that you would actually highly recommend just so that we're not, you know, so thorough that we accidentally spend 20 minutes talking about, I don't know, Panda Express sushi or whatever. I mean, nobody Ooh. needs that in their life, I don't no, think. No one needs that. I, I, I say that as a theme park food blogger and a minister. No one needs that in their life. Uh, so, I mean, City Walk, I mean, I'm sure everyone knows by this point, but this is I mean, everyone has to go through. Well, does everyone have to go through here? I guess not, right? If you're staying on site, there are ways um, to bypass most of City Walk. If you're walking from your hotel besides endless summer, endless summer, you don't have to go through. You don't have to go through all of City Walk. Right. If you, yeah. if, you if you take a bus, you have to go through City Walk. Um, if you take the boat, you don't have to. Yeah, but I mean, for commoners like myself, the vast majority of people. Oh yeah. 
you will be parking up in the universal car park or maybe you've got a cabin in which point you'll also be going that way too and you will have to walk through the entirety of city walk to reach one of the two theme parks so starting at the front of city walk obviously you've got the people movers one of my favorite sort of build the anticipation of a theme park day out uh, the people movers at universal uh, among my favorite things for that in, in well, florida the moving the moving walkway is ending the moving walkway is ending please watch your step yes wow this guy's good i mean i mean i can recite the spider-man ride as long time listeners will know i, I am I impressed realize, by well thank you very much but being able to recite the moving walkway announcements is is on another level frankly so that's incredibly impressive one thing before we get on to kind of the food and stuff i mean as you come off the moving walkways and you've gone through the back checks and all that stuff and you're on city walk proper by this point you do of course have the hollywood drive-in mini golf correct and you have yes. the 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 cinema as well massive yeah. cinema uh, have you ever checked out either of those things do they do they hold um, up because of course mini have, golf is kind of a staple of the disney world experience yeah i've played the played the mini golf at hollywood drive in several times both courses um they're good they fit the theme they're not the courses at walt disney world people are like well that one course is too hard i'm like no it's not but that's that's because you did you're not spoiled yeah. like me and and no you're I, just bad well I, no it's not just you're bad you're just not spoiled like me and in a former life maybe was sponsored by what we call putt putt mini golf here which is an actual oh, wow. brand brand that I don't even know functions anymore. I think it's good. The, the tricky part, this is a standard answer to all theme park questions. The mini golf is a good deal and a good opportunity and it's fun. But just like everything, if you do it one time or one day, it costs way too much. But if you're committed to let's do both courses or let's do it as a group and let's do this, then the cost comes down. But that's true on iDrive at the moment also. Yeah. I mean, I, I quite enjoyed the, I did the Fantasia mini golf this year and I, I thought that was quite fun. But the the prices for the Universal Golf, I mean, I don't know if they vary at all seasonally, but at the moment anyway, and I'm getting this from Orlando Informer, uh, to do 18 holes, it's going to set you back $18. It might be 19 now. Oh, that's outrageous. I mean, I was in for 18, but 19 is just, it's I, just, I like I like I believe like I said it's going to be a dollar more for everything, but I don't know that I'm correct on that because I tend not to look. Once again, spoiled bourgeoisie. I waive my premier annual pass and I get fifteen percent off. And then usually after you complete it, you get like a scratch off ticket. That's probably not the right term for me to use. But you get a scratch card, and almost always I get buy one get one. Being spoiled, I don't really know what it really cost but i think i thought i was told it went up to 19. right that's good to know and then and what about this cinema because uh it, it's massive right it's like is it north of 20 screens it's it's got to be comparable to the one at disney springs which is an amc what's this one is it this one is cinemark i would say there are fewer screens at that cinemark but the seating is now is better it didn't used to be better but now it's better oh, well it's contract working for touring plans we designed a Marvel all-day touring plan, and one of the things was to do take a break in the afternoon on a Tuesday and watch whatever Marvel movie was on was there during the matinee, and it would be like, I think on Tuesdays it was five dollars and fifty cents to watch a movie, make all day at that Cinemark, and so that's something to bear in mind. But I thought the movie experience was really, really good there. I 
think it's better than the AMC Disney Springs for the movie experience, mm-hmm. not for the food experience. But of course, the food of the right. AMC Disney Springs makes the food inside the inside Walt Disney World look cheap. Oh wow, really? Yeah, <laughs> that t- that takes I some mean, the, doing. The quality is higher. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not trying to diminish them because we have. I don't know if you have this in, in the UK. Um, many of our AMC movie theaters have the dining experience where you they bring the food to you in the movie theater and all these things, but the price that it costs for that is almost the same as it costs the concession stand. It's a lot more than I would want to pay it up to go see a movie. Uh, okay. Well, let's, let's move on from there then. I mean, I think we can now get into kind of what, what the real reason you're here, uh, okay. city, which is to eat and to drink and be merry. So I think it makes sense to start with the two kind of premier eating experiences that we shared in John while, while we were both out there in the spring. Uh, and those were toothsome. Hold on, hold on. Croissant Moon is not in City Walk. I thought that was your premier dining experience. Oh, yes, of course. And when it comes to in thing park eating, then Croissant Moon. Oh, okay. Sorry. I got confused with premier. Yes. No, no, no. Yeah. Look, I'm I'm glad you raised it. I I will never shy (laughs) away from an an opportunity to sing the virtues of the Croissant Moon. It's truly a remarkable dining experience on every level, in every way. But it's not relevant here because, I mean, look, if they want to branch out, if they want to put a, a, a croissant moon, a kind of sister cafe, perhaps, in City Walk, I, I'd be on board. If I don't even have to go into the parks to get that beautiful cookie, then that would be great. I mean, do you know, John, can you get that cookie on City Walk? That would be a great little little cheat there for me uh, if I could go to City Walk and get the cookie. This cookie everyone is raving about, I don't think it's as good as Tom thinks it is. However, it did make one of my top three things you should be eating at Universal Orlando lists a while back. Oh, yeah, and so, so, so it, I mean, it can. That, that's a list that covers every food item at Universal Orlando, and it made one of the top three lists that I do weekly. So just so you're aware of that. Second, sadly, Tom, the answer to that question is no. Because... Yes. Because you know from when we had Cookie Gate, I think it was 2021, when I was going around trying to find this cookie because things were closed, that Universal has some excellent cookies, but they like to add a bunch of stuff to them. It's kind of like the Disney cupcake phenomenon. We'll make a cupcake, and then we'll cover four tons of frosting on top of it, so you forget there's even a cupcake in there. Your $3 cookie is generally found at Croissant Moon and Island and, and San Francisco Pastry Company at Universal Studios. Yeah. So no cookie, a- no cookie in City Walk, everyone. No, I th- it is also in the Today Cafe. I guess that's probably the closest to City is, Walk that you can is, find this cookie. It is sometimes in the Today Cafe. Only sometimes. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Well, I was able to get it when I was there. So that's because of who you. That's because of who you are. That's because exactly they re- they saw me coming in and thought, oh, get the cookies out. Got this bloody cookie weirdos here. Get the cookies out. Right. Let's uh, let's talk then about toothsomes and voodoo donut john i'm going to let you decide where we start because i feel like we could wax lyrical about either of these places till the cows come home we should start with twosome we should start with twosome chocolate factory and savory feast kitchen well until this year i'd only set foot in here once and that was kind of just to get a feel for the place because it's obviously incredibly eye-catching out on city walk it's some sort of steampunk looking chocolate factory uh, it, it dominates the skyline of City Walk, I would say. 
And when it first opened, the first year I went back with it being there, I, I simply needed to go in and, and check this place out. And, and all I really got a sense of was, was the, the shop out front, the place where you can kind of order uh, chocolate goodies and, and whatever else. But I did not step foot into kind of the restaurant itself. So going along with you and uh, Jeremy from uh, I Come Here for the Food, uh, was my first experience of the sit-down dining experience. Uh, John, you'd, you'd obviously done it before, but speaking <laughs> I mean, before we speak about our specific experience and what we ate and how we found it, I mean, what's your general assessment, I guess, of Toothsome's as a as a dining experience? Because it's, you know, I must admit, when you invited me along, I thought that he's having a savoury lunch in the chocolate factory. Uh-huh. I'm not sure. This, this sounds a bit bizarre, but I'm glad I went along with it, obviously. And remember, that's why I always say the full title: Tucson yes. Chocolate Factory and Savory Feast Kitchen. Yeah, I mean that's fair enough. I guess it is right there in the name, but I, I'm sure a lot of people like are probably like me, and on first glance are thinking, "Ah, uh-huh. oh, going in there for a savory meal? Just get give me some chocolate and um and let me get out of here." But yep, I think that's a fair assessment. It's kind of become a favorite of yours, even as a as a savory dining option. Would that be fair to say? I think that is a that is fair to say. I would like to say that it, I don't consider it to be. Odds are, it's probably my third favorite restaurant in City Walk. However, I am a married man, and my spouse likes going here every trip. And and right. we go and we go. This is really important. I feel like I'm saying this on lots of podcasts. I don't know if you are aware of this, Tom. But you are not the only theme park podcast in the world. So I apologize if I just ruined that for you. Um, but I say this on lots of podcasts. If you go to Universal for table service dining, or if they call it full service dining, Tucson's a great example. If you go for lunchtime, the food's really good. Like we went at two o'clock because that's when I could get a reservation. Yeah. Tucson often requires a reservation, um, kind of like Walt Disney World. But I have lots of stories of people going on a Friday night or Saturday night at Tucson. And they swear it's the worst food they've ever had in their whole life. Oh, wow. Do you think that's yeah. just purely reflective of how busy it is at those times and they compromise on quality because they've got so many people to, to serve? I, I have some really complicated thoughts that I can't support with actual tangible facts. But those are the best re- kind of thoughts. That's all this yeah. podcast is. Sorry, you forget. I, I do have a limited amount of credibility as a theme park food blogger. So I need to be careful what I say. Especially no credibi- you don't I'm, have to have any credibility at all to come on here. You can well, that's you a throw whole that different to, issue. Throw that aside. Say what but you I'm like. Also, I'm also fighting with Universal's team members at the moment about something, so I want to be consistent and not overstate things. Right. Yes, I think I think what you just said is true. I think it's far more complicated than that, though. If you've not been to Orlando in the last year and a half. You hear these words about supply chain issues and shortage of staff. It is true for all of the Orlando area, the Lake Buena Vista area, the Celebration area, the Winter Garden area. Florida is probably one of the places where the supply chain issue and the staffing issues are the largest here in the U.S. Oh, yeah, that was a a common theme over the course of my time in Florida this year was almost everywhere I went. From a hospitality perspective, restaurants and even some of the theme parks and and even actually, you know, stores as well. There were signs up, we're hiring, you know, 
there were clearly shortages everywhere you looked and we regularly ended up in restaurants where they would warn us when we went in that you know it would take a little while to get a table and right would look around the restaurant and think but there's nobody here how why mm -hmm. and it's purely because they don't have the staff like yeah there are only about four tables occupied but they've only got like two waiters so they <laughs> can't have much more than that it's 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 really it's really wild out there and i don't know i don't know if you've heard whether it's got any better whatsoever in the last few months since we were it's, there it's, it's gotten incrementally better but i'll right. i'm sure i'll be updating that because i have two trips in the next I have one this month and then one next month so i'll have a better idea but having said all of that tom do you remember what you ordered at twosome i sure do i haven't stopped okay. thinking about it since the day it entered my mouth okay <laughs> the uh tuna melt tuna melt meden i apologize for not getting the full name but all right which which um according to the menu cost 15 dollars. yeah i mean i thought i got pretty good value for my 15 bucks i thought it was uh, a sizable portion it was well cooked i mean we spoke about it i think i think we spoke about it last time you were on but just to reiterate yes i i found it to be good quality and I mean, it was not what I expected it to be, frankly, right. in terms of how the how the quote unquote sandwich was constructed, because frankly, it wasn't a sandwich. It was more of a sort of uh, it, it was it was almost more like a French toast kind of concoction where you, you only had kind of one slice of bread, albeit it was very thick and everything that you would expect to be. Uh, the filling of the sandwich was just stacked on top of that one piece of bread. So plenty of tuna, a, a perfectly cooked fried egg, various other bits of garnish. And uh, yeah, like I say, I very much enjoyed it. It all came together very nicely. And and the fries were decent as well. You know, I mean, you can't yeah. really go too far wrong with, with fries. <laughs> well, maybe you, you, you can i mean you'd have to you have to work pretty hard to get fries wrong no i mean do you want to name and shame oh. here where are these oh. bad fries you've been having well one place um you can find an interview would be twosome oh, right. I, had, I had something and the sandwich was awesome and the fries were well below average i'm just saying but the day we went the fries were good and what sandwich did you have for what was your kind of main I had to, I had to go back and look because we joked about when I was there because I've reviewed so much there. I had the chicken cordon bleu, which I thought was really good. A large piece of chicken, well prepared. Um, the ham and the cheese worked really well. And before annual pest discount, it was sixteen dollars with fries. Just to compare things, you know, there are burgers at in the Magic Kingdom at Quick Service that cost that much with fries that are about a third of the quality. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think of what I paid in the Magic Kingdom for my New England lobster roll. In the, I, I know the answer to that, and you don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in the Columbia Harbor House, that was. Yep. And, uh, yeah, look, put it this way. I'm very glad that my Haunted Mansion milkshake concoction was good because I needed uh -huh. something to polish off the underwhelming lobster roll. Yeah, um, when... Twosome, I think I wrote this one time. It was um, when NBC, whatever the the sports bar NBC, I'm sorry for people who loved it. That's what Twosome replaced. It was not NBC, NBA, the basketball-themed restaurant. Um, when it was rumored to be getting together, 
the two rumors were it was going to be a Willy Wonka themed store or a, an actual cheesecake factory. Well, ironically, you got both. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what Tucson is. But yeah, it used to, it used to be a lot worse. Tucson's menu used to be gigantic. And they've scaled it back. I mean, at Tucson, you can get quality pasta, you can get quality burgers, you can get brunch all day. You can get the joke about French toast. Probably one of the best menu items there is called a patty melt French toast. And it's not a French toast you would put syrup on. I, my, my wife has ordered it. Other friends have ordered it. Our friend Xavier at Universal Food Blog, he orders it often and talks about how good it is. I mean, they have a meatloaf. I got to make sure I get the name right because the meatloafs get confusing. It's a brisket and wild mushroom meatloaf, which I would argue is one of the best meatloafs I've had at table service places anywhere. And I'd have to double check the menu, but last time I had it, it was significantly below $20 for a table service menu at a theme park resort. And most of the beauty of Tucson, and this is why this is kind of like the mythos discussion about it being overhyped as the best restaurant. That's not true. Sorry, we'll we'll blame the website that takes that poll that is closer to where you live than where I live. You're 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 not, you're not going to kill your budget going to Tucson. You're not going to kill your budget going uh-huh. to most table service places at Universal Orlando that we're going to talk about. Because I feel like I say this all the time, so I feel like I'm repeating myself. When I do food reviews, I overemphasize the value of the money you are spending. If it's a thirty-five dollar meal and it's really worth thirty-five dollars. And there's a reason it costs $35 instead of 20 or 25, then I think that's great. But to some, I mean, you can easily get a burger, a quality burger. I've had some not great burgers there, but I've also probably had 15 burgers there. So that's not really fair. And you're going to, especially my annual pass discount, I've ordered, had a soda had a burger and fries at Tucson with my annual pass discount, which is 15%, and walked out of there paying a 20% tip and paid under $20. Mm. And, you know, it's important to note this stuff because I, I think, frankly, there are probably two camps when it comes to financial concerns at theme parks. You've got probably the people who are like, I'm paying an absolute fortune to be here anyway. Yes. I don't care how much more I'm spending on food or whatever else. It's all just adding up to what is an already ridiculous amount of money. And then you have the people who are, this is an expensive holiday. If I can save some money here and there, then that's great. And mm-hmm. to be fair, I think Toothsome probably works for both of those camps because, as you said, you could probably rack up a fairly hefty tab at Toothsome's if you wanted to. If you're going in there with an absolutely enormous appetite and everyone wants their own dessert, let's say, after their mm-hmm. night, then I'm sure you can rack up a pretty big tab. But at the same time, if you do want to go and you're a little more budget conscious, then I think it works for them too. I mean, I went without a dessert on this particular visit, and I, I felt just fine. But well, in fairness, time, we, in if, fairness I, if I had some room, I would have happily had one because they did right. look incredible. You didn't, you didn't have any of that banana? I didn't. No, I no, I held off. I held, which was just as okay. well to be fair, because it meant I had some room left for my Central Park crepe. That's right. That. That's right. Right. For the record, we. This is a standard recommendation as I make a segue to almost sound contradictory to Tom. If you're going to order a dessert at Tucson, we leave the John Self, hey, this is 
you know, I'm willing to pay a little less money to get the same, get almost exactly the same quality. We'll get to that as we get to some other restaurants in City Walk, which I think are great examples of that. Dessert is a different conversation too. So this is why I always recommend people, you can buy milkshakes, which you can find online everywhere. And they're wonderful and they're pretty and they're quality milkshakes, but they're $16. Whereas the Sunday we got, which you can find, it was it's banana cream pie Sunday, was $13.50. And easily three grown men could have shared that Sunday. Oh, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> and I, that and that's a not a criticism. That's just a... We all had a sandwich and fries of some type, and we easily could have shared that Sunday, which is why I kind of thought you had a little bit of it, because I didn't have, I know neither Jeremy or I had a whole bunch of it. I know we didn't finish all of it. But if you get a milkshake, you can't share it. Well, you can share it, but it's awkward. Yeah, yeah, no judgment here. If you want to share a milkshake, then you go right ahead. But yeah, you're right. I think in terms of uh, value for money, I'm not sure those milkshakes stack up brilliantly against some of those other desserts. That being said, those milkshakes are, you know, an Instagrammer's dream. If you're looking to uh, spruce up your Instagram profile with some good-looking food, some photogenic food, then those Toothsome's milkshakes, I mean, they're, they're right up there for that. So I'd imagine that's probably why there's a bit of a premium on them. Uh, and the, but, and the, know, jars, the jars are technically collectible, though they are not dishwasher safe. Oh, that's a very good tip. That's a very good tip. I mean, I have, I make my Thing Park souvenir cups last. I've still got a butterbeer flask from 2010, mm-hmm. which I still use for my, so it gets good use out of it in the summer months when I'm on my iced coffees instead of my normal coffees. Uh, that is my go-to iced coffee cup. Obviously, the butterbeer uh, decoration has worn away somewhat, but it's still going strong otherwise. So, uh, yeah, it's good to know that the toothsome cups are not dishwasher safe. That's that's a bit of a shame. But, yeah, I, I was impressed with my first toothsome visit if I was to return, uh, which I'm sure I will one day, as long as we don't all get called up to fight in Taiwan, uh, then I, I would absolutely go back. I would absolutely go back. I was impressed and I enjoyed my food. All right, well, John, look, I'm staring at your Skype picture right now, which is a fetching a fetching photograph of you sat on the throne of donuts outside it, it, of Voodoo Donut. Yeah, that was that was before I became a food blogger, and so I probably weighed weighed less then. Right. Yeah, I, I guess that's inevitable, right? It's a uh, it's one of those side effects of the job that you just have to accept. But pretty I mean, much, it's, yes. pretty, it's a pretty cool, it's a pretty cool gig. I suppose you can just about put up with it. Uh, that being said, I think it's fair to say that your waistline will expand somewhat if you were to regularly indulge in the kind of voodoo donut eating challenge that we partook in on, uh, on, on that fateful afternoon with uh, Xavier from Universal Food Blog. Uh, I think we have retweeted the kind of the full coverage of that particular challenge in the past. It, it got a fine write-up over on Universal Food Blog. But for those who don't know, who didn't see that, uh, Xavier ordered uh, almost every donut on the menu. Uh, the only ones that didn't make the cut were kind of when there were sort of vegan versions of of, of, of standard donuts and, and, and that kind of thing. So the vast yeah. majority of the menu was ordered and we sat there, the three of us, and basically tried to sample as many of them as we possibly could. Uh, 
I mean, I'm still full from that day, John. I don't know about you. I had like a full I've, dinner that night. I haven't eaten for three months. <laughs> and, and technically, going back through my notes on that event, um, and there were a lot of duplications. Voodoo Donuts, on the, when we went, offered 51 different kinds of donuts. They have 13 vegan donuts. And they have some multiplication of donuts, like, like bigger versions of some standard donuts. So we ended up trying 32 different donuts. Oh, is that it? I didn't realize we were such lightweights. Wow. Yeah, it, it, it was, you know, it's not like we, we did the whole menu at, you know, at, at Gideon's Cookies or something like that. No, I mean, if you tried to do that, you'd be in the queue for three months, I would imagine. So I'm just uh, saying, apparently you need to go back. You need to go back and find some of my old blogs. Uh, I may have done that, but that's a different conversation. It is. Let's stick to Voodoo Donuts for now. So, I mean, for people that don't know, this is uh, I I guess this is most certainly the marquee donut vendor in in all of Universal Orlando. And the donuts here, I mean, look, you can get it glazed if you want, but I mean, why would you bother? If you're coming to Voodoo Donut, I think you're coming for something a little bit more extravagant than a standard glazed. They offer a glaze, but those I think that's for people like my mum who get dragged along as part of a larger group and say, just just get me a glazed. I don't want any of this other nonsense that you weirdos are having. Uh, But of course, if you're listening to this, you are a weirdo. And you will want to know about the crazy donuts. Uh, John, take it away. I mean, the, the the menu here is pretty. I mean, look, how many were there? 51, 52 donuts available? Uh, uh, yeah, the there? menu's okay. changed actually, ironically, as we were talking about before recording. I was checking with Xavier because they've added a new donut in the last week I was unaware of. They've added a, he is going to blog about this and it'll probably be posted before this podcast come out. A strawberry crush donut, which is strawberry frosted donut on a stick filled with Bavarian custard and dipped in white sprinkles, which the fact that it's on a stick enables me to make this beautiful segue to Tom and go, Tom, do you remember the universal orange sickle donut? I certainly do. Yes. So this was the first of the donuts that I sampled when there were, you know, 30 of them in front of me. And uh, you said this was kind of, I guess, designed to uh, evoke uh, a popsicle that you might get as a, a kind of traditional fun fair, like a sticky, messy. Yeah, kind of like a, a, novel, a, novel, a novelty orange, kind of a merging of a popsicle and an ice cream cone kind of together that we would we would have in a lot of our places here in the U.S. Yeah, so think of it like that on the end of a stick. The, the the kind of donut pastry that you would expect smothered in icing with a nice sort of mm-hmm. it's, it was kind of an orange cream filling yep. and to be, to be honest i enjoyed it more than i expected i i thought when it was handed to me i thought okay i guess we're getting the slightly ropey one out of the way first i suppose that makes some sense uh and and i ended up very much enjoying it and it was probably among my favorites now of course the the caveat here is that there are donuts that I probably would have thoroughly enjoyed that were perhaps a little, a bit of a chore to eat when I eventually got to them because they were the 17th donut that I had tried and I, I was maybe feeling a little worse for wear by that point. So that's worth taking into account. But by and large, I mean, I think the voodoo, the quality of voodoo donuts is is pretty good. And I, I and to Return to your point, John, about value, which is obviously important to you when it comes to reviewing these. The prices are obviously pretty variable, but 
by right. and large, I think certainly when you average them out, I mean, it seems pretty good to me, to be fair, especially when you take into account you're in a thing park environment. And, uh, you know, these are clearly designed to be somewhat premium. You know, it's not your bog standard Krispy Kreme. And I think actually price wise, they they actually compare relatively favorably for what you're getting here if we're going to speak i mean i'm a big fan of voodoo donut i'm a big fan of Everglades over at disney springs i'm a big fan of this themed donut idea because <laughs> as i'm talking to parents of children they're like you know we want to give them something special but it not to cost a fortune well if you give your kid a gigantic donut for at least a brief moment in time they will think you are the best parent in the world Absolutely. And so and so you just let them go. And if you're thinking, well, okay, at Everglades, that might cost you six, seven bucks. But here the donuts are smaller. You're gonna get, you know, pretty much that premium donut experience. The tricky part is Voodoo does vegan donuts really, really well. They do raised yeast donuts, they do cake donuts, they do a variety of these things, they do fillings for donuts. Um, their biggest weakness is if you see a donut with a topping that does not look like a standard dessert topping, i.e. a pretzel, cereal, something like that. Bacon. I'm in the minority on bacon, but I would agree with you. Most people say the bacon works really well at Voodoo Donut. I think it doesn't. But if you see that kind of topping, then the quality of that is going to drop down. Mm. But... If you're like, you like a good cake donut, Voodoo has a good cake donut. If you like a good braised yeast donut, kind of similar to the Krispy Kreme, they have a good one. The problem is people, because they get confused in the ordering and they have all these weird names like Mango Tango and Portland Cream and, uh, you know, well, we hadn't even got to the apple fritter, a Butterfinger and Ringo. People get confused what kind of donut they're ordering. They expect it to taste one way and then it tastes differently. Uh, well, I didn't really yeah. like that well, you don't like that style of donut to start with. That's like me complaining because someone who doesn't like Brussels sprouts complaining that they went to Tucson, ordered Brussels sprouts and didn't like them. I mean, that's not really <laughs> fair. We get that a lot, by the no, way. The one that summed that kind of, you know, the, the reason you've got to kind of go in, do you, I mean, there's something to be said for the surprise factor, you know, pick something that you're not quite sure what it might be and, and just see what you end up with. But, yeah, if there are if there are flavor sensations that you you know you're not keen on, it might be worth doing a little bit of research beforehand, or you know just straight up asking the staff in there, hey, what's the deal with this particularly funkily named donut? Because one good example is the Voodoo Doll, which I've got here, and again, I don't know how up to date these prices are. I'm going by Orlando Informer, but it's listed at three seventy five here. This is kind of the mascot, the Voodoo Donut mascot, if you like. It is uh, designed to look like a voodoo doll. Uh, it's in the shape of one. It's covered in chocolate icing, decorated with some other coloured icing. Has a pretzel stick coming out of its belly and some strawberry jam, or I don't know what, maybe raspberry jam oozing out That's of the very- bottom. Now, I, I I personally found that all of these various flavours didn't really come together. Like you say, the pretzel it kind of tasted like a little stale, to be honest. Yeah. And then I I just felt like the the raspberry jam with the chocolate icing didn't really come together in a way that I massively enjoyed. But 
you know, it, it, I, I think if you go in kind of with a clear idea of what you're getting in for, it's possible absolutely to kind of avoid those potential pitfalls. I mean, some speak for themselves. I mean, the bacon maple bar, for example, which is four bucks. I mean, you can look at that and be pretty certain of what you're getting in for. It's a maple glazed donut with a big slab of bacon on top and even stuff like uh, there's that one that's covered in Fruit Loop cereal and one that's covered in M&Ms. I mean, some of them are pretty self-explanatory, but then, yeah, you, you do mean, end up You mean the, the eight-mile donuts that's covered in M&Ms? Is that what that one's called? That's pretty oh, good. Oh, the eight-mile, yes. That's pretty good. I enjoyed that one, actually. That was one of my favorites. I mean, I really like M&Ms, so it's, it's a pretty easy win for me, that, really. But that, I, that topping works. It, because when you think sugary m&ms goes oh yeah and it's not there are so many i mean i cannot emphasize they do not they're not stingy with the m&ms that thing is covered if you want to if you want to see a photo of it go go to pirates and princesses put in eight mile donut or whatever under my name and you will see plenty of photos it is completely covered in m&ms yeah, I mean it's M and M's with a bit of donut more than a donut with some M and M's. Quite frankly, that's fair. I mean, it's, it's absolutely smothered in the things. It's, it it's a frost. Have- it's a frosted donut, and the frosting simply serves as glue to keep the M and M's on the donut. Yeah, but I do. I did very much enjoy the, well, like you know, the soft donut with the crispy M mm-hmm. and M topping. I thought that went together very nicely indeed. Yes, I would agree. What's your favorite voodoo donut, Joy? If you had to recommend, well, they have one? so many different. They have so many different sections. This is like the article I wrote for Xavier Universal Food Blog. I had to put them in sections, but I mean, I do. I think at the end of that blog, I list them, and I'm not looking at it right now, so I have no idea. Like the top four or five. So I think it was Universal Orange Sickle. I think Eight Mile may have snuck into the list. The blueberry cake donut is surprisingly good. Oh, okay. It's just I, I did basic, not love that. Yeah. It's just a basic cake donut with blueberry inclusions. Um, so that actually reminded me, in terms of the blueberry flavoring, I, I, I've, I am somewhat partial to some Halo Top ice cream now and then. Uh, but, but I do find that there are certain flavors that taste so artificial that I find them quite off-putting. That's fair. And one such example is... I can't remember their exact naming of it, but it, it was blueberry, and I and that's maybe one of the least favorite Halo tops of mine. And 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 that's what that donut reminded me of. It it tasted very artificial. Um, as I look through, look through the menu here, so I'm noticing some of these voodoo donuts cost about ten to twenty percent more than the last time I went through this list. The the apple fritter, yeah, that was good. Where I really enjoy the little pink which is a smaller version of the Big Pink, except, sorry to ruin this for you, Tom, in the Battle of Pink Donuts across all of Orlando theme parks, the Little Pink ranks highest among all of them. And probably the best value of any donut in the area is the Maple Bar Donut. It's just a basic maple bar with maple frosting. The maple frosting at Voodoo Donut, if you like maple or maple syrup, kind of, it's really, really good. It is. I can. The, I, I can vouch. And the maple bar donut's only a dollar seventy-five. Yeah, I, I think overall these are priced very reasonably. That's, I mean, you can that's... find cheaper donuts, and if you're a person who doesn't like what I call extravagant donuts, 
then voodoo may not be for you. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, John has written plenty about all sorts of thing park food, but rarely is he so thorough as he is with the voodoo donut options. So there's there's no better there's no better authority, no better resource. Okay, let's be careful donut here. Reviews. It, it's it's maybe I mean even more so than Toothsome's to me. This is like almost the definitive place, the definitive eatery in City Walk because it's got that same eye catching uh, aesthetic. You know, it's impossible to walk past it. I would challenge anyone to walk past Voodoo Donut and not at least look in the window. I got away. You won't do that. We've left a really important detail out. Um, oh, Voodoo okay. Donut often has a long queue. That yes, that is true. I mean, they do have the like you can order outside, right? There's that little kiosk, and and do they have the mobile ordering as well? But mobile ordering, but as I have said in other places, you can find online and in whatever your podcaster choice is. Other people, the mobile ordering works really well, but I have I have a fifty percent success rate with mobile ordering at Voodoo. Voodoo Donuts and uh, Toothsome's two you know the most eye-catching and uh, indulgent places to eat on city walk and the only two places on city walk that i happen to uh, visit for food on this particular trip i mean john if i had to ask you to rattle off some of the other places to eat on city walk that you would kind of genuinely recommend so with all due respect to the Panda Express, to the Burger King Whopper Bar, to the Bog Standard Starbucks. You know, we don't have to touch base with those. But there are there are, you know, other locations which I even I know are very well thought of, right? So you've got the Cowfish Sushi Burger Bar, for example. Uh the uh well, what's the Mexican place, the big colourful Mexican place that's kind of on the left as you're heading up towards um, Islands of Adventure. Is that not also quite well quite well regarded? It's it's up the hill. It's Antejitos, Antejitos Authentic it. Mexican Cuisine. I like to say the full name to mock it because there's a history, but we don't have time for that. No, Antejitos is a good job. I mean, I guess this is a good point to make this segue. Um, shameless plug, we should see this coming. As we all know, um, if you've listened to this podcast, my Twitter handle is Pastor, P-A-S-T-O-R, John, J-O-N, because H's are O, self, and... I have three dining reservations at Universal scheduled for about two, about less than two weeks from the time this podcast comes out. One of them is at Antitos. Uh-huh. Um, and I have one at Tusum and I have one at Bevo. What what's the vibe in uh, Antihitos? Is it like uh, is it table service or is it oh, yeah, it's, it's table service, well themed. It, it's Tex Mex, but it's not Tex Mex like you might experience. Chewies or on the border. I'm thinking of all the Tex-Mex chains we have. Chevy's that are in is the it, Orlando area. Is it um, better? Is it better than the Bumblebee Taco Truck though? Um, it's better than the Bumblebee Taco Truck. However, the Bumblebee Taco Truck is probably one of your better quick service options in all of Universal Orlando. But it is better um, because the quality of the food is better. Um, the negative of Antihitos is they've kind of dumbed the menu down for the tourists. Sorry, that's spoken by someone who went to seminary and wow. trained as a racket sport person in Texas. <laughs> okay, so just understand what you're hearing me. That's like that's like someone who's lived in mainland China their entire life complaining about Chinese food outside of their country. Okay, so <laughs> it's kind of a similar thing. So I want to bear that in mind. Um, but the quality of food is there. I mean, I've probably had four or five different entrees there, and many people I trust have had 
probably the rest of the menu. I've never had anything bad there. I feel the price points are a little bit high, but not outrageous. We're still talking most entrees under $20. All entrees come with chips and salsa. And my main complaint, which I said to my wife when we made the reservation, is, you know, that place is noisy, right? Because they'll have a mariachi band doing other stuff. And, you know, it's, uh-huh. it, it's a really good theme and it works really well. They do, they do popular music mariachi style and it's kind of a good theme. Uh, Antojitos is definitely worth your time. I know from many of my friends who live in your country, they love Antojitos. But mm-hmm. I have been informed, I've been informed in the UK, you don't have excellent options for that style of food. Not really, no. I mean, there, there's there's a few sort of okay quick service uh, chains if you want like a burrito or, or tacos. No, no, no. But, but in terms of like a sit-down... Mexican themed chain restaurant, unless there's something very obvious staring right in my face that I can't think of right now. I, I yeah, I can't I can't think of anything. I mean, yeah, these prices look decent, you know. I mean, I'm looking at them here now and tacos are kind of ranging between sort of fifteen and seventeen dollars. Looks very veggie friendly across the board here, actually, yep. whether you want tacos or enchiladas or burritos or app- you know, the appetizers as well. Yeah. But I mean I think it's a really good option. There are places that I would prefer to go to within a couple miles of Universal Orlando for that kind of cuisine. But if I were staying on site or I was taking a break from the park or I was having dinner after a long day, I would not feel bad about eating Antitos. I've already admitted that I have a reservation there. That, that's, that, is, that is certainly true. And the other reservation you have, I mean, obviously we've already talked about two terms, but the other one is Vivo, right? Which it's is Vivo, an Italian, Italian which restaurant. Arguably is not arguably. I've said this in lots of places and written it lots of times. In terms of overall value for what you get, Vivo is the best Italian restaurant at any Orlando area theme park. And if you would like to count the number, of, which I did one day, count the number of Italian themed places at Walt Disney World and Universal Orlando, that's a lot. So my benchmark, I mean, one thing I have learned from my, I guess, increasing conversations with Americans <laughs> about my my visits to the US over the, over the years. I think I know where this that, is going. Is that my fondness for certain chain restaurants is very funny to people who 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 live out there. Americans. Yeah, there's one such place which I think has come up on this podcast before. I like Red Lobster and every American I've said this to thinks that's hilarious because it's considered clearly to be like some sort of bottom of the barrel bog standard chain restaurant that no one really thinks a great deal of but i don't know i i really like it and it's not just because of the cheese biscuits before anyone comes at me yes those are very good but i also like the actual fish okay i think it's i think it's pretty good uh but Sorry, go ahead. ahead. The logical progression of this, because this is the this is the benchmark that we use in evaluating Italian food. If you if you're writing the review of an Italian food place in a theme park and you use Olive Garden as a reference, which by the way I'm sure you I'm sure you know 
I was not is, going to say Olive Garden in my defense. But Olive Garden is the sister. They're the same Darden restaurant company as Red Lobster. So just to give you comparison, those are all the same chain. Um, right. When you, uh, when you say, was, when you say uh, Olive Garden, if you compare it to Olive Garden and it tastes anything close to Olive Garden, which, by the way, I enjoy Olive Garden. However, I'm paying Olive Garden prices or let me just pick on Universal. I'm not paying Cafe Four prices for pasta. Well, what about Carabas, John? Where does that stand? Carabas falls pretty much in the same category as Olive Garden. It's a different oh, style. Damn. I thought it was maybe style. a notch above. I didn't realize no. it. Was. No. I mean, it's different. And Still in the like gutter. That, well, no, if you like that style, it's perfectly fine. Vivos, then, are you are you saying oh. this is, is this better than than an olive garden or is this around the same level let let me say this with all due respect and i want to say this with all due respect if you're looking for italian food and i'm sorry to make the disney comparison at walt disney world and you don't want to spend 60 dollars you're not going to topolino's terrace which the food's phenomenal there don't misunderstand me um, where are you going to get decent pasta there? You're going to go to Terralina Crafted Italian. You're going to go to Trattoria Al Forno. You're going to go to Via Napoli. Vivo is two and a half times better than all three of those places, at least. I say this all the time, and I feel very awful saying it. Vivo, the pasta tastes like some Italian grand, a, a team of Italian grandmothers are back there making the pasta. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I feel can't sexy. get any better than that. I feel sexist and um, very U.S. Why, ethnocentric when I say that. But yeah, why can't my grandfathers, John? What? I don't misunderstand me. To but suggest if, they can't cook pasta. Okay, as someone who functions in the world of moderate Baptist life, where we believe that women and men are equal in every way and everything, I appreciate your joke. But if I use grandfathers, you're all going to roll your eyes. I say grandmothers, you're like, oh, where can I go? I can get a good meal for me and my wife. With entrees, appetizer, maybe a dessert, and we can get out of there. I know I'm cheating because I have an annual pest discount, okay? But we can get out of there for under sixty dollars and feel like we've had the best meal we've had on property. I was just going to say, obviously, we know from Mythos that Universal loves to put a banner up outside restaurants with Woo! fantastic reviews that have been quoted. Mm -hmm. And of course, everyone knows Mythos is the greatest thing pot restaurant for 94 years running. I personally feel very strongly that this pasta tastes like a team of Italian grandmothers made it should absolutely be on a banner outside Vivo. That is a I That's agree. a tremendous quote. I, I've written and said that more times than I would I care to admit. On average, the 20 to 30 reports I get about Vivo in a regular period of time, one of them will be negative. And it will always be, well, it wasn't as good as the last time I went. Well, one of those That's, expert chef grandmothers passed away yes, since I was last exactly. year. They yeah, replaced yeah, me. Uh, Vivo would be number one. I think that was pretty obvious. Tusum is probably number two. I'm not as big a fan of Big Fire as everyone else is. NBC Sports Grill is nice, but not. I'm going to go with Cowfish. Okay, and and, and just for people who might might not know, so the Cowfish Sushi Burger. Sorry, bar, Cowfish what is, is a, what is this? Cow, cowfish is basically some people in the East Coast 
who had too much time on their hands, maybe consumed, sorry, I'm disparaging them, maybe consumed too many illegal substances and decided, you know, I really like sushi and I really like cheeseburgers. What would it be like if we had a restaurant where we serve both? And they do both of those really well, by the way. If you're familiar with Splitsville over at Disney Springs, I have rated Cowfish is better than Splitsville, which does a similar type thing. Then, for whatever reason, they got the idea of maybe we can make sushi rolls that taste like cheeseburgers. Okay, so that was what I was going to be. That was what I was going to say. So, I thought I had wrongly assumed that this was a place which tried to in some way combine the concept of sushi and burgers and that was its thing i didn't realize it was literally for the most part just a place that happened to do really good sushi and also really good burgers which seems like that is very much the case but they do actually in some way try to combine sushi and burgers then yeah yes the cheese but the double cheeseburger ushi which i did a review on pirates and princesses which i had with our friend xavier um, is an example of that. But then they have the idea of merging different things. They have like a barbecue version. So visualize things you would not normally think of as sushi and make them sushi. And so they kind of call that burgushi. Okay. Yeah. I'm looking it, at it, some of these now. It works great at Cowfish. Um, my standard criticism at Cowfish is the price point is a, is a wee bit higher than I would like. That's why... That's why Antihito's almost snuck in. Um, ironically, Margaritaville, Jimmy Buffett Margaritaville almost snuck in as number three, which I'll give them an honorable mention why in a second, because the food there is generally not great. But there's enough variety here, and I did the kid factor, which I normally don't do because I have a full-grown son, because the kids' meals there are really good also. But Margaritaville, Jimmy Buffett Margaritaville, is my favorite place on the busy day in the theme parks to sneak out walk across the bridge from Island Adventure, sit on the patio, and order something simple, like a burger or sandwich, you know, $15, $16, $17, and go back into the park now that I'm refreshed. And we should always mention, this is true at all Jimmy Buffett margarita bills here in the U.S., the Volcano Nachos are, are not arguably, they are the best value food probably on the planet. Um, each level of the nachos is layered. You, you you never find a chip that doesn't have toppings with it. They're well-prepared. They cook each level. It's really well done. Um, you can feed three hungry teenagers with one order of volcano nachos. That's how large oh. it is. Yeah, I can't imagine there are many things you could order and fill three hungry teenagers with. That's correct. That's, this is why is this, is, this is important. And I know the price keeps going up, but I think it's $22 currently. However... Even if I oversell it by saying you can feed three hungry teenagers, if you fed two hungry teenagers at a theme park for barely over $10 each, that's a win. Oh, yeah. No arguments here. So, I mean, the one thing about CityWalk, and I'm sure at some point, whether it's with me or whatever you do next time, when you talk about Disney Springs, is... You can find whatever food you want at Disney Springs, but I can't guarantee you'll find whatever food you want at a price point you're willing to pay. At mm. City at CityWalk, if you're looking for table service dining, you should be able to find something that you can afford reasonably and not be disappointed with. 
yeah that, i mean that that's a that's a very good assessment i think for people because i i, I think it's certainly fair that a lot of people, let's say they're leaving the parks after a long day, four or five o'clock, you know, six o'clock even. They don't want to cook at home. They, mm-hmm. they've, they're more in the mood to get something on the way home. I do think, because this has certainly been the case for us, there will be people out there who wouldn't even consider City Walk because they will just assume that maybe because it's still a thing park environment, the quality of food might not be anything special and the prices might be unjustifiably high. But uh-huh. it seems like actually you can get some very good quality food if you know where to look and you're not necessarily going to be paying some sort of extortionate amount either. So I, I think that's fair. And then my counter argument to that would be because people forget this. I, just, I don't know why people struggle with this. We've skipped the best part about CityWalk. City Walk is literally outside the gates of Island Adventure and Universal Studios Florida. If you're like, well, I don't want to have a boring theme park burger. Well, don't. Go to Hard Rock. Go to Tucson. Go to NBC Sports Grill. Go to Margaritaville. Go to Cowfish. All, all of those places have well above average table service burgers. Now, sure, you may not get a great one, but wouldn't that be true if you were going to Chili's? You know, kind of off mm. I drive. We're not talking. Yeah. And great, it's it's going to cost you more than it would. We're not talking Miller's Ale House lunch menu, which, by the way, may be the best value in the world, actually, for for food at table service. You know, where you're, you know, there's no entree over ten dollars. We're not talking that. But if you, you know, I just want a burger. Well, great. We got five or six good options for you. Um, maybe your kids just want a hot dog. Well, guess what? We can get you a, a hot dog and fries for under $10 at Hot Dog Hall of Fame. There's plenty of options for people to use in City Walk, and people stay in the park. And then, sorry to say this, it's just like most theme parks. Sometimes the quick service food's not very good in the parks. <laughs> that is absolutely the case. I don't think many would argue with that. I mean, we have name checked just about every uh, sort of sit down dining location at this point. I mean, some in obviously much more detail than others. I think the only one I've not heard you utter on this list is the Bob Marley tribute to freedom. What, what is what is this obnoxiously named restaurant? OK, Do couple, you know anything couple, about this? <laughs> I know quite a bit. I know quite a bit about this. couple things. We also did not, I've not mentioned Pat O'Brien's, which is also, now both of those restaurants are located in that kind of up up the hill area, up by where Antojitos is. Mm-hmm. So when you walk into City Walk, it's kind of hidden up there. Both of those places tend not to open till four or five each day. Um, Bob Marley is a wonderful themed restaurant based on the theming you might imagine. The it's a good place for vegans to go also because they have a decent variety mm. in the menu. Um, they've gotten rid of some of their specials, but overall the food is decent. Um, kind of next door. Any universal fan is like, it's not really next door, but kind of next door is Pat O'Brien's, which is, this is also a terrible explanation. It's Mardi Gras year round. Um, and that's kind of the theme from the Louisiana idea. And they also have, 
on select nights, they have the dueling pianos similar to Jelly Rolls over at, at the boardwalk in, Dis in Disney. Um, it's excellently themed. The food quality is good, but because it's only open for dinner, like Big Fire is, um, rest uh, reservations tend to be hard to get. And so I tend to ignore it because it's so much easier for me to eat at other places. And once again, I tend not to eat table service restaurants at night. I'm breaking that rule for this August, for this upcoming trip. But I tend not to, because I'm usually in the parks. Sorry. Um, I have a premier annual pass. Let me be spoiled and make fun of me for a second. My premier annual pass gives me express in the parks after four o'clock. I can't so I keep tend, up with all these bourgeoisie benefits, John. There are too many. Uh, I I totally own that completely. So yeah, I don't blame you. That is, uh, I mean, look, if you're at a thing park, I mean, food's all well and good, but mm -hmm. prioritize those rides. You know, that's, that's why you struggle. Indeed. All right. Well, I think we have now kind of touched base on just about every sit down dining experience that you can have in city walk uh, we've touched on as well some of the quick service ones like the hot dog hall of fame and there's bread donut, box of course there's, there's bread box which is kind of upstairs from voodoo donut which is for disney people it's a better version though it costs more over earl of sandwich over at disney springs oh uh, okay right yeah yeah i was uh i've never been to either um when we will talk about this when we do our Disney Springs uh, report, but we were looking for somewhere to have a, a kind of nice breakfast at Disney Springs <laughs> on our on our last day, and 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 the the options the options on a weekday are non-existent. I mean, it's absolutely absurd. Like weekend brunch options there seem seem okay. There's there's some places oh, to go. Yeah, but on a weekday, there's nothing. It's like you can go to Starbucks. I'm you can sorry. Go to Earl a sandwich. We ended up having ice cream sundays and gear days. Right. <laughs> I was going to say, hopefully Tom edits out my laughing because it's probably, I hear that. As soon as I hear the words breakfast at Disney Springs, I'm like, you mean yeah. you can have the horrible Earl of Sandwich breakfast? You can go to Starbucks, which if you're a Starbucks person, that might work because you can use your stars at Star Awards at Starbucks at Disney or you can go to Everglazed. Yeah, that was maybe that maybe is what we should have should have gone yep. for. But look, nope, I mean, nope. we'll talk about it next time. I I enjoyed my ice cream Sunday very much. <laughs> I don't normally have ice cream for breakfast. <laughs> so it was a nice it was a nice treat. Uh, the one final thing we can quickly mention about City Walk. This is not there yet, of course, but they have announced. Uh, universal escape rooms Correct. in the form of Jurassic World and Back to the Future. Uh, these are opening this year, correct? But we don't know exactly when. Do we really um, know much about them at all? Besides we don't, the fact we don't know a things. whole... We know very little about them officially. And I'm, mm -hmm. I have some information I can't mention, but even if I mentioned it, you'd be like, well, that wasn't very helpful. Why'd you have to keep that secret? <laughs> um, I, mean, I mean, it's that kind of stuff. Um, there, I mean, obviously, one, one room is themed, one section is themed to Back to the Future, one section is themed to Jurassic World. Um, one of the weaknesses of City Walk 
though they've solved some of this, it used to be weak on the shopping area, but now they have the two large universal stores. Yes, is, I went into is, both of those. They're, they're quite good fun. The Legacy Store in particular. I mean, if you mm-hmm. if you're a, an old school fan of the Universal Parks, there's some there's some really fun stuff in there. Even if you don't buy anything, it's just a fun place to look around. Right. It it the Legacy Store is another example of Universal takes shopping and turns it into a walkthrough attraction. Now, this is not the yeah. tribute store. This is not a Halloween Horror Nights house, but they do a good job of taking old props and old old things and turning it into a, like a themed shopping experience. But City Walk lacked the ability because this is a standard theme park trip prop person problem. You arrive, you're there. Well, in the U.S., you're there for four days, so you're in your hotel for four or five days, but you arrived about two o'clock or three o'clock on your first day. You don't want to burn a park ticket for that. So what do you do in CityWalk? And historically, there's not been a lot of good options. Movie theater, um, the mini golf. There's sometimes some entertainment at night, but not always. The escape room should be probably a good option for people who don't have theme park admission that day. I, I have done escape rooms before, fairly low budget ones in kind of town centers here in the UK, kind of independently run. And I, I, it's kind of like pizza. <laughs> it's like even a bad escape room uh, you, you can have fun with because, you know, you're working in tandem with with friends or family and you, you can they, you can make your own fun. You kind of get out what you put in. So unless you're going in in a, in a rotten mood, then then it's hard to imagine you having just a really awful time in an escape room. So I, I think that, uh, you know, uh, at a minimum, they're, they're going to be pretty enjoyable. And then, like I say, they'll hope that the franchises that are attached to them will elevate them to to kind of new heights. I mean, the Back to the Future one, it's been so long, of course, since that ride was there, that it's kind of a little harder to imagine what they might do. The Jurassic World one, I mean, I don't know, perhaps they could kind of reuse or reinvent some of the uh, some of the stuff we've seen in the queue of, of Velocicoaster, some of those kind of animatronics and and whatnot might, might be so, reused, repurposed in some way, or do you think it will right. be scaled oh, back? I think, I think there'll be some repurposing. Don't forget, you missed you missed it. I missed it too. I wasn't there. Last summer, they had a Jurassic Park, Jurassic World tribute store. Oh, so yes. They have, they have lots and lots and lots of props. This is the thing that's amazing about Universal. If I had, if I owned all the storage places that Universal has outside of their own properties where they stick stuff, um, I could retire and solve world hunger. I mean, they have <laughs> so many storage areas. It's it's amazing, and they just seem to pull props out of nowhere. Right. So yeah. so the the main prop the the props in the summer tribute store they've got a whole they've got things that look like they came straight from the movie. Some of the things did, but the gigantic speaker. That you know, Marty blows the beginning of the movie, and and all the different props they have from you know, how do we get the how do we get to going eighty eight point you know eighty eight miles an hour and going from there? I suspect there'll be a lot of issues with that because the beauty of those intellectual properties is they have lots of different ways to go. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, and we have no idea what the price will be. We have no idea how the pricing will work. We have no idea when it's going to open. We suspect Universal would like it to open 
in coordination with Halloween Horror Nights. Yeah, I mean, it would just be nice to have a Back to the Future attraction back there. I mean, I love yeah. Jurassic Park, but, you know, there's been no shortage of Jurassic Park representation across all of Universal's parks right. over the years. But Back to the Future, of course, is, is long gone, and it, it would be nice to see that back in, in any form at all. Uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing what they come up with for that. Uh, I think that's going to do it. Well, I, I hope, regardless of how long this particular episode was, that someone out there found some use from it. Uh, I, I genuinely think there was some some absolutely fantastic advice and tips there uh, for people who may be considering a trip or have got a trip coming up to Universal Orlando and are perhaps looking to spend some time in City Walk. So hopefully this has been of some use uh, to you guys. Uh, if you want to get in touch with the show, perhaps you've got some questions about what we've talked about today, then the best way to do that is to email us podcast at parkrush.com or you can tweet us at parkrush podcast. All the other socials can be found at links.parkrush.com. Of course, if you haven't already, you can subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts or at parkrush.com. This past week, we've also launched a new program. It's over on our YouTube channel, uh, which, again, you can find at links.parkrush.com. It's a new weekly news show because the podcast itself is pretty much predominantly us talking about theme parks we've actually been to. I know, I know, crazy, right? But, you know, you're allowed to travel. All of a sudden, you can talk about theme parks you've been to. So we've been letting a lot of kind of week-to-week news pass us by, and the whole point of this new show on our YouTube channel is to kind of stay across it if you like so we've got a new program in the loop it's called uh one episode is out and uh, the plan is to release one every tuesday uh john where can people find you and your musings on the internet well good luck narrowing that down to specifics but as we joked about earlier i am a gray-haired old man who spends way too much time on twitter easiest way to find me is at pastor john self of course john is still without an h because h's are ooh um, and you can find you can find my writing. See, you get that now, Tom, don't you? Um, my writings mostly can be found, at least in the theme park world, at piratesandprincesses.net, um, mousedining.com, which I'm sure we may talk about if you have me on again. Just talk Disney Springs, absolutely. Uh, um, Universal and Universal Food Blog, and then I'm doing a little bit for Universal Family Vacations. But you can find all that on my Twitter feed and go from there. Excellent. Well, uh, as we have promised, uh, stroke threatened, uh, John will be back for our Disney Springs episode, which you can look for next week. Until then, take it easy, everyone. Stay safe out there and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. <laughs>